Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. So, Bud, we'll start by thanking our sponsor, Tarpon Cellars Wine Company. Uh, if you're consuming this podcast via YouTube, you'll see the wonderful hat that Bud has, happens to be wearing from them this morning. Two rabid Knoll fans, one great partner of the Knollcast. Coupon code Knollcast for 20% off at their website. And uh, we'll jump into this podcast. So, Bud... After trying just about everything in the world for a month and a half, so uh, broke down and bought a new microphone. So we have exhausted all the software options, trying the hardware, and uh, hopefully this leads to a more level and consistent uh, audio experience for all of our listeners. So uh, just acknowledge that off the top here, and we'll jump into it. And and a stylish looking microphone at that, man. Yeah. Um, happy to be back doing this and. You know, there's really not a lot going on right now, which is probably not the best way to open a podcast. But there are, you know, kind of larger program issues that, you know, maybe we'll touch on a little bit. We got a whole lot of off-season content to fill, but we know people do want to uh, want to hear from us. A couple things I want to hit today. I know a couple things you want to hit. Right, portal. Kind of a final look back at the early signing period, coaching changes, both ones that have happened and ones that we are fair to question and probably say need to happen. Name, image, and likeness, where FSU's at, how much do you uh, blame the signing day problems on that, and uh, who's to blame if you do put signing day problems on that. And then also uh, talk about kind of program trajectory right now and, and, and goals. So floor is yours, man. Where, where do you want to take this first? Let's just do a quick look back at, at early signing day as a whole. Now, obviously, you did a instant reaction, which I listened to and uh, enjoyed. I was, but I was going to join the guys that on the bench for about thirty minutes Saturday morning, and uh, got on there, and the whole house caught on fire, and ended up being on uh, on the bench for I believe about four and a half hours. So certainly got an opportunity to give all of my thoughts and more. Um, I think two things can be true. You can say that this is the 12th best class in the country or somewhere in that area and that it's a very nice class, at least has very nice parts. Um, And it's still fair to be disappointed by the way that things played out. And obviously the Travis Hunter saga has played out. You talked about it. Um, I referenced it. It's, It's disappointing to see what happened to you from a Florida State perspective as far as losing a kid on signing day that I think you had been confident about up until uh, approximately 9 o'clock on Tuesday morning, the day before signings, somewhere in that area. Um, but the more troubling things for me were all the other misses. The, the way that they played out, there is some degree of commonality, in my opinion, to them. Um, you know, in my opinion, we'll look back at the Travis Hunter thing, and this will be a landscape-changing um, deal, both from a perspective of a elite talent choosing an HBCU and what I think is probably a kind of a landscape-altering NIL deal overall. I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I, I'm not going to get into the HBCU stuff too much because I don't know the exact terms of whatever NIL deal Hunter may or may not have got, and I, I hope it helps HBCUs, right? Uh, I'm skeptical that it will help beyond notoriety uh, simply because – not every HBCU has a coach with those sort of NIL type connections, if that is indeed what happened. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see on that. Um, 
I said on the instant, I thought even how it played out, it was still better for Florida State than than if they had never been involved. Because they they don't get their best player if Hunter's not committed. They probably don't get some of their other best players in, in this class if he's not committed either. Uh, because he made it okay and cool to go to FSU, um, despite the fact they had an 0-4 start. And you know losses have consequences. They had fewer consequences because Travis Hunter was in that class. Uh, but him not ending up in the in, in the final class uh, certainly is, is, is going to hurt you quite a bit. Uh, I, I think he was absolutely going to start for you as a true freshman. I think he was going to play both ways as a true freshman, just based on pure you know, physical ability. And uh, you're, you're a worse team for it coming up in the next couple of years because he's not there, period. I mean, that, that, that hurts you. I do think it's advantageous to you both that he waited until signing day to decommit. And I I didn't know that that was happening, but I did specifically talk about this project or this possibility on the signing day eve solo show that I did. That I, I think it was better that if you're going to lose that kid that he wait. Um, and that that was not the worst thing that could transpire. Um, and I do think that from a both a exclu- uh, explanatory angle as far as talking to your boosters and just a general experience for Florida State, I think it's better that it was Jackson State and not Georgia or Bama, per se. Uh, I do think that that helps to accentuate how this is a little bit of a different situation and you didn't just get steamrolled by another SEC school on a on a last-minute opportunity where it would appear that NIL played a, a larger role in somebody's decision, at least potentially. So um, I think it's, you know, does it is it a does it suck that it happened to you in general and that it happened to be paired with one of your high profile alums, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, it does. Uh, in my opinion, is it probably a little bit better than if he had just woken up and ripped off a Florida State T-shirt and there was a red and black bulldog underneath or something? Yeah, I think it's has some small advantages. I'm not trying to spin anything, but I do think it's a little bit of a different situation. Both in in for morale, but also for um, showing boosters and everybody, hey, you you can you can compete in this era if you step up, mm-hmm. right? It's not all about TV contracts, although certainly like that's that's a huge deal. And in the long term, I mean, a lot of people think the ACC schools are just totally screwed because the SEC is going to be making double and then pretty soon triple uh, what they make. On an annual basis, which I get. Um, the hard thing is what it is. I, I think I think you said it well, man. It, it, I don't really fault them for that. If people knew this was happening, like I don't think Georgia knew this was happening. As At far as not, the, the barstool larger, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think so, man. I, I really don't think so. I, I I'm not going to tell you I have. You know that I'm as as well sourced as the two four seven side or something like that over there. I'm certainly not, but I do have a lot of Georgia connections, and was able to talk to people even on signing day, uh, as this played out, and maybe maybe twenty four forty eight hours beforehand they started to catch some whiff of something else going on. But I don't think there was any kind of uh, advanced knowledge that you know something something greater was at play from from the Athens perspective anyway. Yeah, I don't think any of the media side knew it all. Like, even on the back end, I mean, it, look look at these signing day shows that were going on on the networks, including the one I work for. If you really thought this could happen or even heard a whiff of it, given that he's the number one player, 
I don't know if people understand this, but you prep different graphics and different things. Uh, oh, your well B-roll footage. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. It, 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 exactly. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm on our signing day show down there in CBS studios in Fort Lauderdale. And you know, I told Will Fong, Hey, I think something's up here. Let's, you know, Steve Wolfong. Um, guys, like our total rundown just got absolutely changed. I think I was supposed to go on at 1230 or whatever. I didn't go on uh, for that segment. We, we pushed that segment to like 230. There's a bunch of different stuff. Uh, so it was a pretty big surprise. It, it really was. I don't want to keep, I guess, reliving the, the Travis Hunter saga. But to me, I don't really blame the staff for that one uh, as much as I blame them for screwing up stuff like Mortimer and Tyree West and you know, guys like that. Um, and it's not even, hey, you didn't have a backup plan for those because I feel like in the transfer portal era, uh, you don't want to dip too far as far as high school backup plans. There is a, a certain floor that you say, you know what? We'll get him next year in the high school ranks. We'll, we'll hit the portal here. We're, we're, we're not going to reach for a kid who we think is pretty questionable as far as his ability to play here. And, uh, you know, receiver-wise in the state, I I don't really think there was another guy they really liked. I mean, Nor- Nor- Norvell liked like the St. Thomas Aquinas kid. The rest of the staff didn't, to be frank. And Norvell was at, was at that dude's game, uh, like the one game where he really, really blew up. This but, is the Camden Brown kid. Yes. Yeah. Excuse me. I, I should use names. Um, because not everybody in the audience is, you know, is at these high school games like like I am. Yeah. So Norvell was there and saw him. So his impression was was, I think, very much colored by that performance in that game. Um, you know, other guys on the staff were not as sold. He's a big physically gifted guy. I mean, I could see where the appeal would be. Um, but uh, yeah, not I don't know that you you hit that recruitment out of the park as is uh from from some of the feedback that we got in general but uh, do we yeah, want to just... go position by position or anything on, on for, for the class or, or or what what are your kind of overall thoughts about the guys who actually you know were in the class or who were not in the class but who are not named travis hunter i guess yeah um let's do position by position real quickly uh, quarterback we've talked all day about it uh nice pickup I've reached somewhere around a B plus, you know, uh, it's a nice high school prospect that you can work on over time. Not a kid who I think you need to be leaning on next year. I've said that don't want to be redundant. In my opinion, I think we've covered quarterback pretty fully. I would agree. Um, seeing him a couple times physically, you know, not a physically special prospect, but still a, a good one. Um, you know, I think, somewhat advanced for a guy who didn't get to play one year of high school ball due to the COVID stuff. And then, you know, got, got hurt uh, later on at IMG. Uh, but somebody, I think they, they are still excited about having and, and can work with. So yeah, I, I really don't think you're going to do a whole lot better uh, from the high school ranks than, than Duffy. So yeah, good, good job there. Uh, we'll classify Rodney Hill as a running back just for purposes of conversation here. Uh, small school kid. I'll have to adjust to the talent. I like the overall prospect. I think it may take a year or two to unearth. Um, but explosive athlete, not a top 100 kid per se, but, uh, some nice tools there. You think you, uh, you know, internally, I think they feel that he's a little underrated by the services, but, uh, interesting prospect that in time I think can become a, a solid contributor. 
I, I agree with you on that. They definitely like him more than other schools uh, seem to like him and more than the rating services seem to like him. You know, multi-sport guy, pretty athletic. Um, he does need to put on size. I mean, the, if you saw the signing day pictures of him without the pads on, uh, definitely skinny. So we'll need to put on some weight. This was not a great year for backs in, in the state of Florida uh, or really in, in the region that you typically recruit. They were involved with Javante Barnes, uh, the the you know, Las Vegas kid who was committed to Oklahoma and then kind of flirted with a couple schools. That was one where that, that was kind of a Dillingham-related thing, obviously, because he does some of your West – or did some of your West Coast uh, recruiting. But he ends up – I think Javante stuck with Oklahoma, right, um, in the end. So, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't really know what else you were going to do here. Um, you don't have a, a ton of playing time to sell to somebody who's not an elite prospect. Uh, they just there weren't a lot of backs that they could conceivably get in on this year. Uh, maybe this year coming up, if the offensive line is better uh, and you have some connections to a kid, maybe you can pull uh, a difference maker at running back. But fine, sure. I mean, I don't know. Like you want to break down the wide receivers or me? Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll give this one to you. You want to use your old mic for this one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I made the motion to the camera that my high school coach used to do to me during the middle of a wrestling match. Whenever I do something really stupid, uh, he would ask me, "Smith, how many times have we practiced that?" <laughs> zero. Quit being an idiot. Um, yeah, zero. Zero. That's embarrassing. No two ways about it. Uh, I, I liked Mortimer as a prospect. They liked him as a prospect. Um, they weren't happy with some of the games that were being played, but you also need to play the game, and you need to be on top of these games that are being played, and they didn't do it right. So this is probably something where somebody loses their job over, I would if, think. If the staff doesn't cut ties person. with a kid, then I don't really like hearing about games being played. You know what I'm, I'm saying? Like you yeah, can, they, they decided to send the letter of intent. They stayed with it. There was some talk there. there was they some thought talk. he had reaffirmed on Monday or Tuesday. I'm trying to remember what one that was. I think if they felt confident about this kid night before signing day, is my understanding. Um, there was too talk. much, yeah, coach, we're good in that room. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like a fear of Norvell where they're, they're afraid to speak up or – uh, I, but there's not honest communication going on in those recruiting meetings. What the coaches are saying when they're called upon and what these, you know, analysts behind the scenes are saying when they're called upon are not matching up with what is happening when Penn is hitting paper. So that's an issue that Mike Norvell has to fix and quickly, or he will lose his job. Not tomorrow, but like that, if that continues one more cycle at all, he's toast. Very frustrating. There was some back and forth there that, hey, we don't, you know, like you said, maybe some frustration with the games, but full decision to continue to recruit that kid and want his signature, and you swung and miss. And uh, embarrassing. That was a, a kid that uh, would have been a really significant addition to your class, and, and in my opinion, a little underrated by by the services. So we'll move I will from... say, um, not to cut them slack, but – this was not a year in the state of Florida that had a whole lot of top-level receivers that you could really get in on, right? Um, you know, 
we had Chandler Smith. Where did, where did we end up putting him? Like he's a track guy. We still like and a really good track guy. We still had an eighty-eight on him. Georgia took a flyer on him, you know, late. Jaden Gibson, FSU did try to get in on once he decommitted from Florida. Uh, double Gator legacy there. He ends up going to Oklahoma. Um, so that that certainly is on you. I mean, you you can do a better job on him and get him to visit you, and and not Oklahoma there for that final weekend. But I'm, I'm as I'm scrolling here, you know, there's not a whole lot of top receivers in the state of Florida this year. It was not a good year for receivers. This was always a class that was purposefully going to be small uh, in the state as far as receivers go because they just didn't like what was out there. Um, they knew they were going to have to go to the portal pretty early uh, in this you know, in this scenario and that they would be selling a lot of playing time at the receiver position to the 2023 class from the high school ranks. So it's still bad, though. You can't not take a receiver. Oh, um, makes the mismanagement of Mortimer all the yes, all the more painful. correct. So you know, um, offensive line. I think, given the fact he went five and seven, Atkins is a very good recruiter, and I think he's a good coach. I think he did his job here. Um, you know, you end up getting Julian Armella. We have him as a, a guard due to arm length. And overall, I just think he uh, is not a great player in space. Maybe he'll prove me wrong and play tackle, but uh, we did go ahead and move him uh, to guard and have a 90 grade on him, um, you know, which is outside the, the top 247, obviously. Uh, I I will say, like, our rankings at 24-7 are a lot better overall than the other two services right now and have been trending that way for a while. So, like, the gap is growing there as far as our accuracy. I, I do trust us. People, We get a lot of questions about this one, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm going there. I'm going to bet on our rankings over the number two tackle in, in, in the country ranking, personally. But I do think the kid has some upside. Uh, I like the Jalen Early kid quite a bit. Uh, Richardson had a, uh, a poor year overall. And look, for people who saw him in person this year, like he had lost weight. You know, um, and to me, I asked FSU about this. <clears throat> and what I got told was basically, uh, yeah, that's correct. We're sticking with him. It's disappointing. But to to us now, he was never going to be a guy who's going to come in and play immediately. But it basically just means that it backs up by a year, right? Instead of somebody who you think, hey, maybe he can play in 23. Not, not going to rule out him playing in 23. But the more likely path is somebody who's maybe ready to contribute in 24. Which, hey, if he was a, a body that looks like that as far as the length and he was going to be ready to play and play well in 23, you probably maybe you don't get him, right? Because better programs than you right now uh, may be able to get a guy like that. Quayshon Sapp will be an interesting one to watch. Um, certainly somebody who uh, our, our grade kind of matches up overall, I think, with... Uh, with the grade that he has nationally on him, uh, we have an 89, which is like a, a high three-star. And then Kanai Charlton is a guy they're actually excited about. Um, I think that they, I mean, by far the lowest rated offensive lineman you took, but FSU doesn't feel that same way about him. They think, hey, like he's got some bad weight to lose, but the power and the bend for his current weight is, 
it's exceeding what you would expect out of a prospect of that size. So you sign five. If you can get two starters out of this group and maybe somebody who's a rotational guy in their careers, I think you're very happy. Yeah. That's just kind of how this works, by the way. Like, you're, not all five of these guys are going to start. That, that, that's just not it's – an, it's a numbers game. Signed five, brought in a, a portal kid immediately uh, day, morning after. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, signed two tight end prospects as well before we get too far away from the offensive line. Brian Courtney, really intriguing athlete out of uh, out of Virginia, who um, has some has some very interesting film. And then the Jarrell Powers kid out of Duncanville as well, the previously referenced Jalen Early's teammate. Great program there. Uh, good prospect in Powers. We'll have to see what he ultimately grows into. Courtney, probably a little bit more upside, but uh, some refining that needs to take place there as well. I Yeah, I mean, these guys are both dudes who I think are probably not um, not early contributors. And we'll see. Can, can you get one difference maker out of these two? Maybe so. Uh, Powers does have some upside. I've never seen the Courtney kid in person, so I don't want to comment you know, too much on him, but people who have seen him seem to like him. Um, Powers, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by. That doesn't mean that I like him more than Courtney. I just, I'm not measuring apples for, apples via apples here. I've seen almost all the kids in this class in person at least one time, and a lot of them, you know, multiple times. But I've never seen the Courtney kids. So, um, yeah, we'll see how that works out. Hell, it, he may be somebody who could play defense for you too. Yeah, yeah, has some. Intriguing tape at linebacker, uh, certainly. But before we transition to the defensive side of the ball, let's thank the good people at, uh, well, at the legendary team. Chad and Shannon been fantastic for uh, rapidly approaching, what, 350 people now, uh, I believe. Uh, you've worked with them twice. Uh, great people, incredibly thorough, incredibly responsive. Uh, you know, the, the experience kind of speaks for itself at this point. Dude. 100 percent these guys are awesome just they never let me down um awesome customer service for all all of our listeners who, who give them a shout 844 fsu loan 844 fsu loan they, they get it done for you customer service knowledge of the market great rates awesome experience you can you know commiserate about this signing class with, with, with them I, I know we've been doing so over text for uh for at least a week now and uh yeah man uh this class may be disappointing but the legendary team is not. So please keep supporting those guys. 844-FSU-LOAN. Tell them we sent you. Start at the uh, end position, I guess. Aaron Hester, uh, legacy in his own right. Uh, intriguing prospect here. I believe uh, I'm in agreement with you. Maybe limited Sunday prospects, but for the purposes of the show, we're not all that concerned about how these kids project towards Sunday. I think he's got a chance to be a very solid contributor and depending on where you look he may be you know one of the more underrated prospects i think in this class i, I agree with you there um I, I i think he actually has a chance to be a good college player for you uh, nfl wise sure we'll we'll see uh however i'm going to say this about the next position too i give this overall grade a d you did not get somebody who's an obvious early career difference maker in my opinion and you needed to and you had two opportunities to do so, and, and you whiffed on both in, in Marvin Jones Jr. and Nigel Lee Kelly. This is the kind of defensive end class that will get Mike Norvell fired. Not immediately, but you know, in 23, when you have to make a breakthrough year and you don't have anybody who can get to the passer consistently, that's it. 
this is that this is why I'm I'm kind of you know where I am with this program right now. <clears throat> Swung twice, missed twice on the elite prospects that we referenced there. I will give them credit for kind of having kept Dante Anderson warm enough that you were able to get that kid on signing day. Um, nice prospect um, from an individual evaluation uh, as far as somebody that you were able to get to flip. In my opinion, a little too similar to the two kids that you signed last year uh, at end. So, um, you know, you got some time to work with him here. Uh, but I agree with your overall sentiment of a, of a frustrating experience at the, at the end position. Uh, kind of the same, same thought at linebacker. O- Omar Graham had a nice senior year. However, it's almost all attacking downhill. There's no real evidence so far that he can play in space. I think he's more athletic now than he was as a junior. That is to his credit. Um, but it, it, it's still very TBD on this. And, I'm not going to back down from what I said. If he was a third linebacker you signed in this class, very happy. If he's the second linebacker you signed in this class, okay. If he's if he's the only, the best linebacker you signed in this class, or I didn't really consider this at the time, the only linebacker you signed in this class, I got to give this a D. This is not successful recruiting at this position. And I don't think there's any coincidence Chris Marv's gone, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, he got a promotion, but I think he was very fortunate to get that when he did. Yep. Just mismanaged overall. Um, you kept going back in on the Willis kid out of Lee County, had some false... And I think that was by the way, because some people behind the scenes said that they could get him for you. That's exactly what I was gonna wrong. say. Yeah, I think you had even some false optimism around being able to go back in on that kid at any time. I, I don't I, I personally wish the kid the best of luck at Ole Miss and we'll leave it at that. But um the whole and I'm not going to play the, the, the revisions history game here. I, I said I don't think you should go take that kid. Yeah. Because yep. in the portal era, somebody who, who's that size who really thinks they're a safety is what's going to happen when you have to de-recruit him and tell him, hey, guess what? You're a linebacker. Mm-hmm. doesn't work. They, they, they just jump in the portal. They, they, don't, they don't stay. We did accidentally jump over the uh, defensive tackle hall that they had. Um disappointing here in my opinion as well Daniel Lyons decent prospect but when you only signed one and the kid that you did sign didn't play high school football the year previous I just have to be very frustrated for me the most painful loss of signing day was the Tyree West kid both because of the prospect itself the opportunity to kind of put down further roots in South Georgia and the fact that in my opinion you didn't really know what was going on in his recruitment which is a consistent theme uh, that we've talked about. So, um, nice prospect in Lions. Going to take some work to uh, to bring that out over time. Um, I agree with you on that. You didn't sign anybody here who's like an obvious early playing stud, so you needed to throw numbers at the problem. I don't think West was like a no-doubt you know, first-year impact guy. But if you get West, Thomas, and Lions, I think you got to feel pretty good about that, high, or about that haul for a team – that went five and seven. Uh, just getting Thomas and Lions, I feel worse about it. Uh, so you're right, man. Like there, again, Mike needs to evaluate the intel that he's getting from his coaches and his analysts, especially as far as hey, we're good there. My area is South Florida. My area is, is Georgia. Uh, 
you know, the, the recruiting coordinator and director of player personnel need to need to be thinking about were our guys giving us good info? Were our processes the right ones? You know, are are we are we verifying our notes from the road and checking them against the reports that we're reading in, you know from twenty four seven or rivals or whomever, right? And and seeing wait, why does this not match up? Why why does the words that we're being told, why do those not match up with this kid's visit or or that or whatever that we might be hearing behind the scenes? Or if we're not hearing stuff behind the scenes, why? Some of that stuff was was a surprise, by the way, I will say. Um, I don't think Tennessee people were super confident in, in Tyree West. There was no flurry of crystal balls that came in, you know, the day before or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was indeed a bit of a late a late pull there. Yeah. Um, so Yeah. The optimism from Tennessee's side came about forty five minutes before he made a commitment. Uh so uh, okay, touched on tackle, linebacker. We'll move back into the uh, back four, which is even with the loss of Travis Hunter is probably some of the more pleasant conversation that we're going to be able to have about this class. So with that, I'll give you the floor, bud. Um, I mean, those are your two best prospects in the entire class. Uh, you know, as Ray Thomas and Sam McCall. Credit Travis Hunter for getting Sam McCall. You know, credit Woodson for, for keeping it in the fold as well. Uh, certainly, but you know Thomas fell into your lap, and you're fortunate that he did. You had some bad breaks in this class, obviously. Some of those bad breaks were your own doing. You had some good breaks, though. Thomas, you got because Oklahoma, Florida, and a couple other schools fired their coaches. That you would not have him. He would be at UF if Mullen was still there. He would be at Oklahoma. I, I think, although there's some question as to whether the family was really wanting him to go that far away. Um, if Riley was still there, I think maybe they pull that off. Um, these are both really, really good athletic prospects. I mean, I we'll talk about when we talk about the overall class here in just a second how I, I think they don't have enough difference makers in this class. They've got a couple of nice pieces. They got very few true difference makers, and they got a bunch of you know we'll we'll sees uh, and how that's a problem. I'll explain in a minute why. Uh, but man, Sam McCall is is really freakishly athletic. You know, he, he's he's our 29th overall player right now in the 24-7 sports composite. You know, if if this thing ended today, or not not the composite, rather, but, but our, our, our top 247. I mean, if this thing in, ended today, he would end up as a five-star. Now, we're always continuing to evaluate. There's more senior film coming in. There's playoffs. There's these all-star games where, where, where you get to see folks in person. Uh, but on both the composite and on the top 247, He's really, really good, and he's got good size. I mean, six foot, one eighty. He's built, plays the ball well. Could, could hell, honestly, could play receiver for you too, probably. Now, that is likely, I think, more of a commentary on his, uh, his, rather on FSU's room at receiver right now. I think it'd be better to play him at DB. Uh, Thomas is kind of the same way. Maybe not quite the top end speed uh, that McCall has, but still a, a top one hundred type player there who you did beat out big schools I mean, they once they imploded, but that had to be a benefit or something that you were going to benefit from this year. And, and you did. So credit to them right there in the DB room uh, for sure. That, that was, that was huge. Yeah. Yeah. 
overall, a nice class. Um, but we'll just circle back to what I said at the beginning here. I'm, in my opinion, you can acknowledge both that this was a missed opportunity and uh, that it has some nice pieces. But what did we give? Three Ds in position? Um, at least. I mean, I think a couple of them we, we, we forgot. I mean, receiver gets an F. Um Tackle, end, linebacker. Yeah. You had to hit this park, out, hit this class out of the park. You had a, in fairness to, to, to Norvell, right? And I feel like you can come to a conclusion while still having nuance here. They got screwed last year with, 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 with COVID hitting when it did. I've said this many times. If you knew COVID was going to hit, you don't fire Willie Taggart. Or at least I wouldn't. If maybe maybe the admin would, and I think they'd be idiots for doing so if you knew COVID was going to hit, because obviously your ticket sales were, were down due to you know COVID and whatnot in 2020. Uh, but that really hurts your ability to get out on the trail and meet people. And I thought the staff last year did a good job, all things considered, with their limitations, right? But that first full class is the class you have to knock out of the park. And they were not able to do so, largely due to circumstances beyond their control, I, I think. Um, maybe you're more harsh on them than I am for the COVID stuff, but I think that's a fair thing. It's like, hey, this is your first full class, and COVID hit. That sucks. Uh, this was the class you had to hit out of the park, and they failed to do so. I think things are only going to get a lot harder for these guys. I don't think they're going to get a better class next year than they did this year, unless they're going to win a lot more games then I'm currently um, spitballing them to win. Napier, I think, will probably recruit well. He's building out a you know a, a large staff. Cristobal, I don't think I pretty much know he's going to recruit well. I don't know he's going to coach well, but he will recruit well. Like the guy is an amazing recruiter, and there his is buddies already, are billionaires. There's already an internal acknowledgement within that building that they know that Miami is going to be a whole. Whole other ball of wax when it comes to going up against them in the, on the recruiting trail next year. This was your fastball to hit. And at best, you fouled it off. Doesn't mean you can't get a, get, get a hit on, uh, on a tougher pitch. But now you're kind of 0-2 counting, man. <clears throat> well, all it does is, is put Does it feel more... like we're just playing out the string? Or do you still have some faith? I, I think there's still some opportunity there. What what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to make magic in the portal again, which certainly there's some questions about sustainability uh, and, and how long you can do that. Um, I don't know that it's a fait accompli, but you, you needed to have a better Wednesday than you did. Uh, no other way to put it. I, I think I agree with you. Um, but the fact that I asked the question means that they're sure, it's crossed my mind. Um, something else I want to ask you I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this mm, I don't really know if it, I don't know if it fits so it, if you could take 32 in this class that would mean taking 17 transfers like would you would you go do that probably not I mean that's a lot uh, that's an awful lot um and the idea that you're going to have 
you know, the hit rate that you did on some of those kids uh, with last year, both from a production and culture standpoint, uh, I'm very skeptical of. Um, so I know you've got room. I know you always planned on leaning, leaning hard into the portal. Um, but the idea of you adding an additional 16 kids at this point, or whatever, I guess 15 with some of the people that have come in, um, I, I have a hard time seeing that happen, that you're able to add that many of your, you know, that, that fit with your desired quality. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, all right, let's do, uh, let's go. you want to talk portal, uh, as far as in and out? Yeah. So in, uh, you got nice news, what, somewhere around 10 o'clock on Thursday morning that you got the Wisconsin center, uh, that was Caden Lyles, Caden Lyles. You misspelled his name on the graphic, which we need to be a little better about that, but, uh, Caden Lyles is a nice pickup, great beard game, and uh, is an immediate upgrade to the center position. I agree with you on that. They're they're excited there. Uh, you now have two offensive linemen transfers in. I think they want a third, to be honest. Uh, you know, bless Harris, Caden Lyles, and maybe you go get somebody who you hope can start for you at tackle. Uh, tackle transfers are obviously the toughest thing to find. You got kind of lucky with Devontae Love Taylor, who was able to play tackle at, at an okay level for you. Probably more of a, of a guard body uh, in the long term, and then he got hurt, so he, he was not a not an effective player for, for the Knowles this season. Maybe you're able to go out and do that. Uh, I actually kind of think I might just go crazy portal because it allows you to sell some playing time, I guess. As long as you're not picking a whole lot of, you know, a ton of of multi-year guys in theory, I think for, here's my one thought though, for this upcoming 23 class, if this was the NFL and you had a staff that, you know, maybe it's getting late early, if you were the GM, you're like, look, we're not going to trade all our draft picks to try to go and, and win it this year. You need to kind of have some roster management. I don't think we really have that yet in college football because you don't have these long-term deals for players and you, you, you do have the portal. But it is going to be important for the long-term future of the roster, regardless of who is coaching it, that you continue to do well in the high school ranks. For this year, I think that's pretty much done, though. So I don't think there's really a problem with going heavy portal. 32, though, is, is probably a pipe dream at this point uh, because you'd also need more guys to leave the roster than maybe you will now. Uh, we'll see how the rest of these exit interviews go, but um, yeah, you want to talk? Uh, not a portal out. Well, I guess we do have one portal out. Uh, Kushney is is uh, is leaving. Um, a guy that we've always had a little bit of a different opinion on, and on this one, I'll give whoever you were talking to the tip of the hat, as opposed to who I was. Uh, I thought that. Still had a decent chance to develop this kid and that he would be part of the program. Uh, I think internally, they always looked at this as more a year two player. Um, and for whatever reason, you weren't able to get to year two with him. So uh, best of luck to him. I know you've, like I referenced a second ago, you've been a little bit more skeptical as to if and when he would be able to contribute. Um, and his contributions won't be at Florida State at this point. Yeah, but nothing against the guy. Just, you know, didn't wasn't really uh believing there um but 
guys, we don't know with this portal thing. It's so hard to project. It's not like a lot of these guys don't have a lot of new film. Now, hopefully the majority of the ones you're, you're getting do have something that you can evaluate, but uh, I don't fault them for taking a shot late. They had, they had a scholarship open. It's, I would fault them if they didn't use it. You, <clears throat> you should continue to do stuff like this. Eventually, yeah. you'll probably hit on one. There's no real reason not to. Well, and you know your internal eval was decent enough because your your want was to PWO this kid, uh, right? Originally, uh, and then you then you fell back to offering him um, a spot. So, portal out, Cushney, portal in, Wisconsin Center that we talked about, and um, what yesterday, two days ago, you get word that the Pittman kid from Oregon um, officially decides to join. I've, yeah. I'm not super jazzed about this, to be honest with you. I'm not going to bag, you know, write it off totally either. Uh, we'll just have to see what it looks like. I, I have some questions in general um, about if he could have returned to Oregon, how hard they might have pursued that, if Kenny would have pivoted as OC recruiting to OC uh, retention conversation, if he really valued the prospect. I don't know. Um but he's a receiver. You desperately need wide receivers. Um, not necessarily a kid that if you pass by in the hall, you think like, oh, that's a super elite athlete. But, you know, what does that matter uh, when it comes to, to game day production? I agree with you there. Um, it, it's somebody that Kenny uh, was was going after for you. I think he had some other, other people in the building who liked him. I am skeptical. But also, I'm not a dumbass. I realize their receiver room is not very good right now, so it, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he can't make an impact for you. Uh, but not an impressive career at Oregon. What did he have? Let me see. 18 catches, 8 catches, and 12 catches. So 38 catches in uh, three years. Now, granted, that was 10 games, 5 games, and 7 games. So 38 catches in, in 22 games. Seems like he'll fit right in. I, I, I do now. All, all jokes aside, there are some things to like. Seems like he catches the ball pretty well. Not an not an impressive physical specimen. Uh, you know, speed from the highlights he does have doesn't seem like like a real real burner. Um, NFL pedigree certainly. I will say he is a good punt returner, which. If you use a scholarship on a good punt returner, I'm actually okay with that right now. Uh, but I am skeptical. Also, I'm skeptical. Like, why? You mentioned that could he return to Oregon? Like, ability, not grades wise or anything, because I think he's a smart guy. But he did quit on his team, and then they had a couple of receivers go down against Utah, and he was not uh, um, he was not able to to play for them because he was out. You know, so that's kind of an issue there. Um, he has had injury problems at, at Oregon, which is limited the number of games that he's played in. Maybe there's some potential there that FSU can unlock. But I'm I'm just not buying into the idea that he's a savior. Save this clip. Maybe I'll end up on a vlog. I don't know. Uh, may, hopefully I'll be wrong. I, I hope I am wrong, right? Um, he's not not a bad player. I'm not against the take. I just think you need to not be not be banking on him and you need to continue to pursue guys in the portal. This is somewhere where I think I would take three receivers in the in the portal and, mm-hmm. and use use three scholarships here if I could. 
Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do uh, at this position. Nice that you're able to get one in. As we said, desperate need in general, and uh, this won't be the the first time that we talk about a uh, incoming portal wide receiver, in my opinion. Um, NFL out, uh, as we have it listed on the sheet, one Jay Sean Corbin. Uh, this is somewhat what I thought would happen here over the last six weeks or so, maybe eight weeks. Um, Jay Sean, great Locker room influence, worked his tail off over the summer, had a really nice year, showed some of the explosiveness that made him the the recruit that he was coming out of high school. Um, you know, I don't think he's anybody that's going to catch the world on fire on Sundays, but uh, hopefully he can, you know, catch on, uh, be a roster guy, and uh, we certainly wish him the best of luck. One of, uh, you know, one of my personal favorite players from, from the previous year's team, certainly. Completely agree with you there. On, on that, um, you were right on this. I, I was wrong. And I will say, I'm hoping that you're very right because I have that bet with a coach that, you know, well, you know who it is. But <laughs> I have the bet that, that um, what's his name, that, that McLean will not be the first offensive player drafted off the 2021 roster. So if Corbin gets picked, I win. <laughs> so I'm going to enjoy that dinner next time I see that coach. Yeah. But, yeah. Um We'll see. I, it's, it's a loss for them, I think. But it also is not a loss that screams, "Hey, you have to go out and get somebody from the portal." If he had not gone pro, do you worry about Toa Philly transferring? Because I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if you can get a uh, an absolute difference maker, obviously you take a difference maker pretty much anywhere on this roster. But if you can get a a great addition at running back, fantastic. If not. Uh, I think you just ride with the numbers that you have and you kind of, you kind of took your, uh, your additional depth running back in last year's portal. Uh, so I will be interesting to see what their movement looks like at this position. 100%. Uh, you want to go coaching changes here? Do you want to talk more portal spots? I guess I, I would go quarterback. I would go two more receivers. I would go at least one more offensive lineman. I think you need to, you need to really try to, hit on some roulette chips with the defensive line. Uh, especially if one of the guys, you know, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, they're not real confident in the decision-making of some of those dudes who may end up being starters mm-hmm. or like they're, they're currently counting on to be starters as far as making the right decision, transferring in or out. So, I mean, you need to really try to go and, and get some difference makers there at the defensive end position. So, um, I don't know if you'll be able to. We'll see. You need to go get at least one more linebacker. I would bring in two with the hopes that one can start for you. And if you want to bring in another guy in, in the secondary, I don't I don't hate that either. Yep. Well, uh, you know, obviously the portal will be a main driver of conversation here on this podcast for the next two months or so. Well, in theory, four months. I mean, there'll be another flurry of activity after spring as well. Right. So, Portal conversation is not going away. Uh, I'll put it that way. Uh, one gentleman that is going away is Kenny Dillingham, off to the West Coast, uh, Oregon's offensive coordinator. Uh, best of luck to Kenny. Uh, I think we both thought that this was how this was going to play out once you had landing land in Oregon, and you could kind of see the writing on the wall there. Uh, good career progression for him. Um, you're going to miss Kenny Dillingham. You're going to miss him as far as uh, some of the play-calling ability. You're going to miss... 
the guy who headfirst jumps into every recruitment out there and isn't, you know, some uh, some wild uh, ace who, you know, lands everybody in the world, but he certainly starts a conversation and, uh, you know, gives you that initial level of consideration uh, that is desperately needed, particularly when you're jumping in on portal kids, etc. And um, just a guy that's, what, 32 years old, 31 years old, or whatever, and professionally speaking, has a really impressive network. I mean, Kenny has contacts all over the place. Um, there's a there's a lot that you'll have to replace here. I, I would agree with you on that. Um, I, I think he did a, a good job relative to the talent level. I don't think the talent level is very good on this offense. I know you know, he, he feels similarly, um, obviously, and they were working to to improve that. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world to go to Oregon. He wants to be a head coach. Like anybody who talks to Kenny knows this, and he thinks he probably should already be a head coach, and he's 31. So that's not realistic. But, yeah, I, 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 I think him taking the Oregon job is a no-brainer. They're a better team and a better program than you are right now, and you have much better job security there too. I think you'll get, like, what, at least four years there at Oregon? You can't guarantee yourself four more years in Tallahassee. Um, and, he, and there's really not a great list of candidates on the West Coast as far as coordinators who can then become West Coast head coaches. So I think he would have been an idiot not to take this, mm-hmm. personally, even if, the, even if the money wasn't different, which I haven't seen what he's making there. But, like, I think he would be a dumb – I think he'd be a, a, an idiot – to not even take up like even if it was a pay cut, he should go take it. Roughly, I think he's going to be making about three hundred thousand dollars more a year. So well, perfect. I mean, yeah, better you, you get that better career trajectory, full attribute of success on your side of the ball. You get to better talent on the roster. It does nothing but make sense. So, I mean, you're recruiting a guy to maybe be your number one receiver in Tallahassee off the roster you're going to mm. when he didn't do anything in three years. I think it kind of says that. However, I actually think, and I think there are more coaching changes that need to be made, and I'll be judging Norvell and his staff based on if, whether these changes get made or not. I actually really like what they did as far as replacing him. Yeah. I think Alex Atkins is very sharp, moving him up to offensive coordinator. And I talked about this move, what, a couple weeks ago. People were like, oh, who do you get for quarterback coach? And Duffy's going to leave. And I was like, Togars has been the guy meeting with Duffy behind the scenes to get him ready. For, for the season the whole time like that the guy's played quarterback he's coached quarterback he wants to, you know he wants to coach quarterbacks Norvell thinks very highly of him and I think other programs were going to steal him away had you not elevated him this offseason so getting Tony Tokars to, to come from analyst to quarterback coach I I'm a fan of that move yeah uh from the few people that I've spoken with they they uh feel that this guy is a, um, you know, somewhat of an up-and-comer in the industry in general. And, um, you know, I won't sit here and tell you that I'm an expert when it comes to uh, potential quarterback hires, but I've spoken with enough people who feel similar the way that you do about him that I'm uh, not not troubled by this at all. I know that if you're a Florida State fan, you're a little curious that you've made three internal promotions so far. I get it. Uh, I have Yeah, one of which I don't like. Yeah, yeah. Words are, out of my are, mouth. Are you are you high on the Shannon hire? Are you just not as down as I am or, or more no, down? No, I mean I may be slightly more optimistic than you are, but it just it reinforces the need for um all the more aggressive pieces uh over on that side of the ball. You you really got one guy who does 
almost all of your defensive recruiting, unfortunately, um, or at least has the ability to go in and resonate with elite prospects. Um, you got to redesign what you're doing on that side of the ball. I agree. So. Yeah, uh, I fully agree there. Um, I don't like the Shannon hire. I think it's a bad move. And I, I, I you know, it, it, it I, I just, I've seen this happen too many times here on this staff. I think it with, Hey, this guy's like reputation wise has connections in Florida. Like, are they the right ones? Really? Okay. Cause we, we, we heard this with the DPP hire. We heard this with some of the analyst stuff. Mm-hmm. Now we're hearing this with Shannon. I'm, I'm not buying in. Um, all right, so let's move to the fun topic of name, image, and likeness, bud, because I think Florida State's certainly got some things to evaluate here. We've probably got some things to, to clear up as far as where we think they are with this. Um, but uh, <laughs> not to just force a sponsor reference here, but my Lord, if there's anywhere that Florida State could bring in a third party and, and get some opinion as far as how they're doing things, the need to optimize what they're trying to do, uh, examine the structure, the flow of information as it kind of passes and makes its way through an organization. Congruity would seem to be a great fit for Florida State when it comes to what they're trying to do, and we certainly think it would be for you and your uh, your business as well, whether it be payroll, whether it be HR solutions. Uh, congruity has been a fantastic fit for us, fantastic fit for some of our listeners uh, that we continue to get very positive feedback on the level of service that Matt Lewis provides them. Uh, reach out to Matt, see if it would be the same great fit that it has been for us and our listeners for you. 844-247-4100 is the phone number. As always, you can reach out to me if you want a, uh, a less formal introduction uh, with Matt and his team. But uh, Congruity is the company. CongruityHR.com is the website. And Matt Lewis is the man that helps you and your business uh, experience, experience uh, the most optimal setup as Florida State might need to in their name, image, and likeness pursuits. All right, let's go. Uh, you want to go? I don't think I bet you did a good job in name, name, image, and likeness in this cycle. I'm not going to sit here and blame all of your losses on name, image, and likeness. I don't think that's true. I do think, though, that this portends of things to come if you don't get your act together. Uh, I said with the, and I'm specifically referencing their internal program here first. I said over the summer, remember when they rolled out that that big impressive video for Apex? Apex. You know, and I was like, I took some heat and we got some negative reviews for this because I said, look, I am not really confident in where this is going. I know the video looked good. Congrats on having a good looking video. I don't know if this is actually going to be what they need i think the guy who started designing this when he left i don't really trust the people who took it over internally that's for the internal program obviously state law impacts what you can do i'm not not going to ignore that 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 is a thing they're working to get that changed so that schools can have more direct uh, on the books involvement with name image and likeness they also have rising spear now going on i've never met bob davis uh you know hope to talk to him soon maybe we'll have him on the show uh, but like, we will see how that goes. I, you're not technically supposed to be able to promise kids stuff right now, but it's absolutely a thing, and you have to do it to compete. 
it's always happened in college football. Like money has always been a thing. We've never shied away from that. Some people didn't like that when we did, but yes, dropping bags is important. It's not the only thing you have to do, but if you don't do it or you don't do it the right way, you will probably lose out on some recruits. Florida State late getting their program up and going. Um, I believe that they can be competitive from an NIL perspective. Uh, I have real concerns with Florida State when they get to a final two or three and it becomes clearly identified as to who they're going up against and an SEC school's ability to make a last-minute push on the NIL front. I said this about two months ago to my own, you know, little group of friends on the internet as we exchange our thoughts about Florida State football that I had great concern about Florida State going up against what I referred to as the F-150 mafia of the SEC. Um, and when they have a clear defined idea as to, hey, there's three days left, we really want to secure one more piece, I think their closing argument probably going to be better than Florida State's at this standpoint. So they've got a lot of work to do here, both from a individual, uh, you know, large talent uh, attempted acquisition as far as putting together a package. And then I think uh, another thing about NIL that's going to apply to everybody is just this across the board thing. Like, hey, you're a scholarship football player at Alabama or wherever else you're going to be making $32,000 or whatever the number may be. Florida State's going to struggle there significantly, I can tell you. Um, I know this isn't the answer that people want to hear. And this is speaking about a much more broader cause than just NIL. But Florida State has to lean on its large electronic fan base. This podcast is popular and successful because we've been doing it for a long time. Because we were one of the first people into space. Because my partner is exceptionally intelligent and has a great ability to articulate information. Ultimately, all those things pale in comparison to the gigantic size that Florida State fan, uh, the fan base is, and we're able to lean on that, and that's been the number one reason we've been successful. I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but Florida State can't rely on the same six people. That's just a rough number. I'm not saying it's six per se, but you can't rely on the same six people that you asked to do everything else in the world when it comes to the football program to also be your driving force at NIL. You've got to develop the retail support. You've got to develop a large base that's willing to try to support this program and then go to individual large boosters uh, here and there and try to put together some of these more significant, flashy uh, opportunities to get elite kids. It's a lot of work that needs to be done on the NIL front. It will be very interesting to see how Florida State tries to do it. I agree with you there. It doesn't mean they can't do it, by the way. Um, but there is a lot of work to be done. They were clearly not ready NIL-wise for this signing day. Um, do you think that the the late lateness in the game of Rising Spear uh, coming, how do you interpret that? Because I have a couple theories I want to bounce off you. Is that sort of – so there is one school of thought that Coburn was inhibiting some of this stuff, right? Uh there's another school of thought that they just didn't have their act together and they thus it was rolled out late. But clearly it was late. 
in the game. It was Why? late. Uh, they were having, I mean, Mike Norvell was calling emergency meetings over the summer about concerns with Florida State being behind in the NIL game. So this has been a concern internally for quite a period of time. I'm not telling Under you state law, you couldn't really do anything about it. You, you had to, you couldn't directly approach the athlete. You had to have a, a third party, basically. Uh, so I'll be curious. And you couldn't broker, you couldn't broker a deal. Yeah. I don't think rising sphere will go away or whatever, but the state law is kind of interesting in the fact that they're changing it. And, um, well, we'll just, you know, it'll be curious. I don't know everything in the world that's gone on with NIL happenings at Florida State. I do know an awful lot and, uh, was over the course of the summer was fairly familiar with what they were trying to do. I'll put it, I'll leave it at that. Um, I think you had some level of support that didn't come to fruition. Um, it, just not the first time that's happened with Florida State football. It's probably not great to start 0-4. People talking big and and uh, and then not backing it up. That actually transpired before he ever started, unfortunately. Some right. of it. Um, and some of it got worked out. Some of the people that said they would be involved ultimately were. Um, I reference now this is a, a different conversation. That, that This is not a criticism of Florida State. This is just a, a reference that they need a rising sphere or whoever it to be, uh, we reached out or I reached out. We were going to sponsor some kids, very nothing significant, not, not anything that would have changed anybody's family tree or anything else, but it would have been a nice um, supplemental income for somebody. I'll put it that way. And ultimately could never really get in touch with the right parties to support a kid. So uh, hopefully rising sphere or somebody else spear uh, kind of serves as a uh, intermediary there and can help facilitate some of these, you know, more kind of small business um, individual support of a kid and then also develop a broader pool with which they can try to figure out whether or not they want that to go across the board, whether or not they want to, you know, allocate funds to try to bring in some last minute stud. Um, I'll also say this, bud, uh, the kid that I referenced in the signing day Eve pod was the offensive tackle uh good one i i never said that they were going to sign a kid but the small amount of optimism that existed there was that you were going to put one more really aggressive push together that featured some some nil opportunities uh, evidently it wasn't that impressive kid kind of looked at it considered it and then chose between two schools that you weren't involved in so so yeah i want to i want to talk about this real quick because there's three issues here one the lateness of the game in which the program was rolled out two do you actually have the money to get this stuff done three do you have good information right about who you can actually go and get because fsu like a lot of things it's just not a real rich fan base and they don't they don't have the kind of money that a lot of these other programs have you have to be smart about how you do this stuff so I am not equally concerned with their information as with their money, but there has to be some synergy between the info and the money, right? And you need to figure out which kids you can actually go get and which kids you can't so that you're not wasting your time. Um, that's just my, my opinion on that. Of course, you're not allowed to offer any uh, plans to any prospect beforehand. Certainly no, that does not go on at all. No direct uh, enticement, but of course not. No. No, just as you were not allowed to give, you know, Eric Dickerson a Trans Am or anything like that back <laughs> in the day. 
if you're A&M and he continued to drive well at SMU, which was hilarious and in the paper. Um, you know, it, it, I think I'll learn more about this NIL stuff in January. I've got some calls to make, want to find out some more stuff and we'll, we'll talk about this some on the pod. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) We'll just see where it goes. We will see where it goes. A lot of work to do. Um, be interesting. The state law will help you. The state law did not keep you from having more success than you did this year, or at least wasn't the main reason, in my opinion. So, um, something again, the, a topic of conversation that's not going away, and something that we'll uh, continue to discuss. Oh, great! All right, buddy. Um, an hour and four. That's it's not that bad. No, no, not that bad at all. Uh, give us some feedback on the audio, please. This has been a wildly frustrating. Uh, not that I need y'all's sympathy or anything else, but if it turns out to be the mic, this has been driving me crazy. Uh, and maybe I just need to learn about not being stubbornness. To my defense, you shouldn't have problems with a pretty expensive mic ten months into its lifespan. Uh, so we'll have to figure out what happened there, and uh, ultimately, I can deal with my own. Uh, stubbornness and, and frustrations and uh if the audio is better that'll be a, a big <laughs> a big first step towards that so uh know that we're working on it uh you know we're too too professional of a podcast to have some stupid audio issues so i appreciate y'all's uh patience with us and we will continue to get it addressed i really like how it it would, it would fade at, fade in and out at random times that's nice that was, that's that's not, and that feels good that feel as yeah. a as a podcaster, knowing the message that you're trying to deliver may just wildly vary volume levels throughout the course of the pod is a, a really confidence-inducing feeling, I can promise you. Uh, well. Oh, man. All right, buddy. Be well. All right, y'all. Talk to you soon. Happy holidays. Uh, we'll, we'll talk 